Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, if you have a game, and it is good, then give it time and it will thrive, and you will be Gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! That's right. New York. The new year. The future. Yeah, old daddy is fixing to start one more trip round the sun. Everybody hoping this ride round be a little more giddy, a little more gay. Yep, all over town, champagne coaches are popping. Over in the wall, all the big shots is dancing to the strings of Guy Lombardo. Down in Times Square, little folks is watching and waiting for that big ball to drop. They're all trying to catch hold of one moment of time to be able to say, right now, this is it. by then it'll be passed. But they all happy. Everybody having a good time. Well, almost everybody. There's a few lost souls floating around out there. Now, if y'all ain't from the city, we got something here called a rat race. Got a way of chewing folks up so that they don't want no celebrating. 
Don't want no cheering up. Don't care nothing about no New Year's. Out of hope, out of rope, out of time. Well, the future, that's something you can't never tell about. But the past, <laughs> that's another story. Welcome to episode number 427 of the Best Linux Games Podcast on this glorious New Year's Eve uh, episode for 2022. Uh, crack Engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth. Hi, Kiba. Wapow. Holding up the whiskey sign. That's right, Ivor. Happy New Year, you motherfucker. You made it one more year and you're, you're undead. Mm, good idea. You're fired, by the way. Happy New Year. Mm. That would, of course, make it for our sequel friends. 2022, 1231. Wow. I hate New Year's Eve. Um, but, Ivor, what, 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 what's your... What do you think, my... Ivor is just retching up puke. Oh, that would, of course, make it for our sequel friends. Oh, no, I already did that. Okay, cool. Yes, I'm both drunk and high. Um, this is being recorded at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve. So, like, it's like New Year's... It's like the night before New Year's, but it's the day of New Year's Eve. There you go. The day of New Year's Eve. Sylvester Stallone, Sean Penn, Spike Lee Joint. Mm. So... Let's get straight to our top stories. I don't have a very coherent show for you. I know, Ivor. I told them. I think that they knew, Ivor. I think that they knew. Um, I don't really have a coherent show for you this week, but uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy and healthy, especially to our listeners. Thank you for listening. I just saw news on my phone that uh, former Pope Benedict in exile or whatever the fuck they call him when they retire, uh, has died. And actually, insofar as popes go and being raised to hate the popes by my mother, who was a very... who is a very liberal woman, who was a very liberal... I mean, when she was growing up, she was a very liberal chick who was in a very... My grandmother was a nun. And that before she met, literally, she was a nun before she met my grandfather. Um, so my mom rebelled and, and always hated, but Benedict hated the popes. But Benedict was actually really, really forward thinking kind of pope, and you know, whatever. If you care about that sort of stuff. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, I have a. I. I've got two men with a gut full of fear. Now, uh, we do have two men. Well, two two games, but... um, Oh, yes, let's get straight to our top stories. Uh, thank you, Ivor. I am getting high right now. Like, I'm, like, I can feel the weed kicking in, so this might be the least coherent episode ever of the podcast, which would be very challenging, because we did do the three-hour-long episode about friend love beams, but now I remember why we used to save this episode for being our game of the year, but then this year I was so, um... I was so uh, inspired by what Steam seemed to be doing with the the uh, Steam Awards, which I guess are still on January 3rd. Uh, 
for the user picks, it just does not make any sense. Um, why would you have an award show without the user pick? It's just like fucking big fuck you. It's hilarious. Um, I'm I, I'm not sure if we talked about that last week because I'm I'm high. Isn't that right, Ivor? Um oh we'll get the case, Gregor. We'll get the fucking case. But uh I lost my train of thought there. So Happy New Year, everybody. It's brought to you by Gentry's Gin. Um, I'm still off my meds. Uh, Marauders still is broken. But I hate fucking New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is like a celebration. It's like a macabre celebration of like our own inevitable fucking death and a moment of reckoning against another pointlessly uh, delineated, arbitrary, you know, fucking time date stamped fucking thing that has no meaning, will not bring any sudden change. To that end, I hereby abort the entire episode. I've already fired and the show notes to tell you my favorite joke of all time. Everyone thinks that New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's, and especially New Year's Eve, the last, for some it's the last, like, gasping moments of, they don't know it's the last moments of a already stillborn love affair, a Christmas to May adventure or whatever. I don't even know if that's a thing, but for others, it's 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 looking back on one's life and wondering what it was all about. For others, still, it's looking back on one's year and wondering where they're going and if they're going anywhere. And if they aren't, does it really matter? And coming up short with the answers. It's It's a night that is about supposedly ringing in the new but it's really for me always been devoted to the past because that's my favorite thing in the world is always the past because the past I can the past I can touch I'm, I'm, I'm just quick enough for the past I'm never quick enough for in the moment so it, it's like a celebration for me it's like a perverse celebration of like melancholia and uh, oh that's the self-destruct sequence can you hear it? So anyway, one more. So anyway, it's also like a celebration of debauchery and depravity. I always think of it as I as Kraka engineer Ivor Molina engineered the bumper to express as everyone trying to go one last time, one more one more, one more time, Willie, one more time. And there's a desperate cloyingness and and uh, total insincerity that I am completely vulnerable to and is completely effective on me, um, especially as I get older. But I mean, this has been with me every New Year's Eve ever since... Uh, my first New Year's Eve in middle school where I repaired an accordion alone and I thought, wow, one day I will fucking tell someone this story of like the greatest New Year's Eve ever that being sar- sarcastic. Anyway, and as I approach middle age, as I hurdle actually through my midlife crisis right now actually is where I am. It strikes me as so funny that everyone believes in this arbitrary 
this is a this is this is a story about that this arbitrary idea that you know when the clock strikes twelve in eighteen or nine, oh god discalculate twenty one hours that somehow all the bad things will be wiped away and we can start fresh for the whole new year. Meanwhile, we live with permanent records and surveillance, you know, for our whole lives through Facebook and everything and endless recriminations and the world is falling apart in systemic and structural fashion such that no change of digits even with or without the you know unix epoch factored into the number of ticks since here to attorney's fucking demise will change what we've done and what we haven't done and it in the immortal words of Garrison Keillor, the saddest words in the English language, what might have been. So, here's a story about that. Because that's not how it works. Midtown Manhattan, Monday, 5 o'clock. Beautiful spring day. This is the best hot dog vendor in the entire city of New York. The line doesn't just wrap around the block. It wraps around... Oh, it's midday. It wraps around the block five times, four times, seven times, eight times, twelve times. There are fucking 500,000 people waiting in line for this hot dog vendor. At the very end of the line sits our prota- stands our protagonist, a Buddhist monk dressed completely in saffron robes. He is visiting New York for a UN convention with the Dalai Lama. And he stands there in his saffron robes all of these people. You know, the line keeps moving up and up and up and up. He stands there and walks there, waits there. Saffron robes. Of course, he waits patiently. He thinks about all the trials and tribulations that brought him to this exact moment this moment waiting for a hot dog he doesn't speak English he has no idea where he is other than it must be New York City he was volunteered he was press ganged into this gig by uh, Dalai Lama underlings solely and exclusively because he makes the unbelievable bells that uh, adorn their shrines or whatever and he's a master engraver of their rolling prayer wheels prayer cylinders or whatever they're called and they wanted to show him off at the U- at the UN and then for a later meeting with the president and he got separated from the group at LaGuardia he spoke no English and you know he's like the bell carver he's the prayer wheel carver you know no one cared and he wandered off and somehow because of his endless patience he just kept walking because he figured that the others had gone on ahead of him they got separated security or something and then he became hungry somewhere in between during that was you know seven hours earlier when they arrived at LaGuardia and he's been on an adventure of the mind that makes Indian wants the Bronx look like a fucking happy Betty Davis musical. Why would Betty Davis be in a musical? I'm getting my words wrong. Probably because I'm high. 
So somewhere along the way, he saves a man, Wall Street banker who's seeing a whore that he's sweet on from her pimp and the man handed him a fistful of money which has been flowing out of he has no pockets in his saffron robes but he has this $100 bill and he's starving now he hasn't eaten in three weeks actually but that's a different story so he waits holding an amount of money in a denomination that he does not understand and feeling so lost and so lost but he knows that he knows on a fundamental human le- level in a fundament on a fundamental human societal level this is where we go to line up evidently so i'm going to go to line up and i'm going to give them this this piece of paper and he listens to everyone talking and what are you, what are you going to have you know uh, i want mine with anchovies hot dog with anchovies that is that's the trump years Anyway, so he waits and 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 waits. But shorter than you might think, because this is the best and most busiest hot dog vendor in all of Manhattan. And it is a beautiful spring day at midday. And he listens to all the people, you know, I want want this, I want that, and uh, can you spot me, buddy? Uh, you know, I want a Coke. I, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And he doesn't understand anything that they're saying. But he does hear enough of them as he gets closer and closer to the hot dog vendor. He hears distinctly what people are ordering. And he practices this, almost chanting it almost like a newly converted pilgrim to a vast and bleak wasteland of a false and terrible religion (laughs) of capitalism. He repeats these words that he hears under his breath, hoping that he can pass, clutching desperately, tears in his eyes because the hunger is so extreme now. Tears in his eyes, wondering if he has failed you know, his people and everything. Tears in his eyes because he's lost in a stranger in a strange land and everyone yells into his face. And eventually, after what seemed like an eternity, <laughs> he gets to the front of the line and the hot dog vendor is there. It's only one guy. Like, yeah, buddy! Oh, and the monk again waits patiently with his hands clasped with this singular object, the only possession that he has in this country on on himself, other than his robes and his little rope sandals and uh, a steam deck loaded up with Betty Page porn that some kid gave him. Uh, Anyway, he stands there with his hands, palms together as if in prayer, smiling beatifically And the hot dog vendor is like, come on, buddy, what the fuck do you want? I got a thousand people out there. And the Buddhist monk is like startled for a brief moment, but regains his composure, clasps his hands again, opens his eyes, 
smiles into the face of the angry cigar chomping hot dog vendor and says please make me one with everything So, the hot dog vendor makes him his one with everything, and the Buddhist monk hands him the $100 bill. It's a $100 bill. He doesn't know this, though. He just has a feeling that we go and give this obvious currency, but he's never really had currency before. I mean, but he understands that he's been marginally briefed on the plane which is why he hasn't slept or eaten for 30 hours so he hands him this piece of paper and the hot dog vendor takes it puts it in the register slams it shut and then there's like a weight off the Buddhist monk with implacable patience waits there, hands clasped with the hot dog in one hand so he's got like kind of a cantilevered akimbo kind of you know blocks, it's a big dog and uh hot dog vendor stands there with his hands on his hips and there's some grumbling that travels like indigestion throughout the human centipede of the line behind them that's wrapped around them. They can hear it. They can hear it travel like a telephone line game in hell. Finally, re-arriving at this point of origin. And finally, the weight off snaps with the hot dog vendor going, Come on, buddy! What the fuck are you waiting for? Buddhist monk says... I would like some change, please. And the hot dog vendor slams his hands down on the counter. Change comes from within! So, that's our New Year's episode. We were going to talk about Dwarf Fortress. Actually, okay, yeah. We're going to talk about Dwarf Fortress. I wore basin with the feature. <laughs> so, wait. For the short version of that joke, I refer you to this retelling. Buddhist uh, best hot dog stand in Midtown Manhattan Monday, spring day lion goes around the block at the end of it is a Buddhist monk who waits patiently of course, dressed in saffron robes gets to the front of the line buddy, what do you want? what do you want? what the fuck is this? Halloween? he goes make me one with everything and so the hot dog vendor makes him his one with everything Buddhist monk hands him a hundred dollar bill and the hot dog vendor slams it in the drawer and the Buddhist monk stands there holding the hot dog in prayerful repose implacable serenity what the fuck are you waiting for buddy I I don't have like all fucking day the Buddhist monk says I would like some change please and the hot dog vendor says change comes from within that's the greatest joke of all time So, I wore basin with the feature. We'll do like 15 minutes of Dwarf Fortress and then I'm going to the fucking bar. I'm walking my ass down there. I'm hiking my way back. What are you 
Epic! Oh. My. God. It's Bolivian's Bolivian! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's teacher. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. Oh yeah, <laughs> thank you, Ivor. You're still fired. Um, I, the point of that story was everyone seems to think that just because it's a new year, like everything's going to change, but change comes from within. So anyway, our feature this week is about Dwarf Fortress, and I'm just going to gloss over. I'm going to do like 15 minutes of riffage on Dwarf Fortress, a game of which I've now played uh, 73 hours. Now, why am I? doing Dwarf Fortress and actually a little bit of Bannerlord or Mountain Blade 2 Bannerlord because that now runs on Linux which is awesome uh, and so I fi- I'm finally playing Bannerlord as well which is fucking great but w- we're here to talk about Dwarf Fortress why because it will help to erase the artificial delineation of yet another year you know, having passed or passed you by or you having passed by another year. Um, it'll give you something that will really suck out your brain and uh, delight your pleasure centers and infuse you with seductive complexity. So, for those of you who don't know what Dwarf Fortress is, it's not a game, it's a simulation. It's a simulation of a Dwarf Fortress. Everything in Dwarf Fortress is procedurally generated. It's been in development now for... It's been around for like 25 years, I want to say. Um, I spent a lot of time playing Dwarf Fortress. I still know nothing. But all other games, like RimWorld and etc., have been modeled and patterned in poor imitational... shoddily imitational fashion. Imitated fashion of what... the glory that is Dwarf Fortress. Which is a very frustrating game in which you die all the time, and you lose constantly, and you love it. And you will come to love it, and you will love it. And I know you will. And it will suck you in, and it will eat your brain. So what separates Dwarf Fortress from... Rimworld. Um, Ivor, what what the fuck did you do to my notes? Oh shit, that was me. Ivor, you're fired. So, the big thing about Dwarf Fortress is you don't actually control any dwarves. Um, you control the systems that force the dwarves to do, or you know, order the dwarves to do what they do. Unlike in Rimworld, where it feels like, oh god, I don't want to, I don't even want to bring it's, it's just, it's a disgrace to bring up any other game when you're talking about Dwarf Fortress. Because Dwarf Fortress is absurd. It is, it's absurdly complex. Um, absurd complexity dwells within the fucking fortress, is all I gotta say. You manage the systems, not the objects. So, like, you don't, like actually control any individual dwarves you can't mm. like when you click on them it brings up an insanely detailed uh, status overview with five other tabs and we'll talk about those a little later on this is not a review this is just I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do a review and so because I'm going to play this game for forever this game is awesome 
So you manage systems, not objects, and objects uh, included in that you know list. This is unofficial here. I'm not going off the Dwarf Fortress wiki, but I'm I'm calling anything that exists in the game an object. It's like an object-oriented programming kind of approach. Everything is an object, okay? So you don't manage the actual objects. You manage the systems in which the objects will interact. Now, that's a very fancy way of saying that the interface in Dwarf Fortress, which used to be just a a command line only text terminal uh, DOS kind of game, very similar to NetHack or whatever, but with insane complexity because everything's procedurally generated. It takes up so much CPU, it's crazy. It's crazy. I refuse to believe it, but they I read on one thread that I, I'm not sure if they were kidding or not, but sometimes I can feel it chugging on my CPU cycles real hard. And especially once you get like bigger cities going on and lots of shit going on. And you kind of gotta save the game and come back to it. It might just be my brain fucking frying. Or it could just be the game is really fucking complicated and I know for a fact that the actual systems are insane so you manage the systems, not the objects, meaning initially like your main goal is to initially find, you know, a perfect place to embark and set up a camp and then you want to strike the earth and begin your dwarf fortress as dwarves, underground farming, planting smelting, mining uh, worshipping, eating together, drinking together, more most important of all, um, drilling together in terms of military service, not in terms of dwarf-induced homo- homoerotic uh, madness, um, doing diplomacy, uh, managing liquids, building out and handling the various needs of your initial colony as you manage it into growing into a metropolis, which is where I am. It's not nowhere near end of game. Like, I mean, like, there's so much shit that's ahead of where I am and my understanding of the game. In this sense, it's a lot like a less graphically pretty version of Seven Days to Die, but without the ability to actually control your dude in Seven Days to Die. If you ever played Seven Days to Die in a PvE server or a PvP server, even better, then you know what I mean. Like, you have these set routines, and you check your things, and you're very careful about that. All of that sorts itself out. Now, the dwarves themselves are not great thinkers. Some of them have uh, independent personality defects and attributes. Almost all of them have individually unique flavors of them. Every once a season, there's an opportunity for you to get mu- to a to attract migrants to join your colony, which will increase your population, which means you need to build more bedrooms or dormitories or zones or whatever to house them eventually. Otherwise, they'll sleep on the floor and we'll get to that. So, absurd levels of complexity dwell within the otherwise deceptively simple um, user interfaces that comprise Dwarf Fortress um, which now has actual you know, sprite-based graphics um, the interface is fucking very good for how complex it is and everything runs off of hotkeys so if, oh man, it's great it's great, you get very very good and very very quick it will eat up your life so fast it's awesome 
Unlike RimWorld, I, oh, I'm sorry, we said we weren't. Unlike other games, poser games that have tried to imitate the magic that is Dwarf Fortress, Dwarf Fortress isn't really about. Um, it's all Dwarf Fortress really is about is you getting through the next year. That's like the first twenty years, depending on your difficulty level and how bad the enemy's settings are and how many civilizations. But Dwarf Fortress generates an entire history of lore. It's procedurally generated before you even start the game. It's built into the world seed or something. Then, like, let's say you want 100 years of history, you have 100 years of history, everyone has 100 years head start over your colony, which is cool. Means you'll get more visitors. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them traitors, some of them spies and assassins. But the real... The thing is, what you do mainly in Dwarf Fortress is once you get good, you don't just build, like, workshops and shit that, you know, do stuff... You build workshops and shit and then you put in work orders which are standing orders that have broad Boolean conditionals and other um, other bash syntax friendly uh, operands and stuff. So you can you can set up a work order for um, make uh, wooden barrels make 10 wooden barrels anytime and you can make a check every day every time that there are less than 10 unused wooden barrels in our stockpiles make 10 wooden barrels but only if there are 50 logs and if there are less than 150 wooden barrels make wooden barrels that's that those are two competing conditions one would can't one would fire before the other but anyway and it's super easy to do and you'll need them because otherwise the game becomes overwhelming once you get up to like you know 150 dwarves and have like suffered the plague of the fun the plague of the fun by the way is what every urist that's that means like you know dwarfy mcdwarf every average person or player who's a dwarf your average urist discovers very early on that the game is really fucking hard and it's overlaying of systems until you understand them is very is very complex and has many chinks and nuances but then you start to fall in love with the magic that is seeing Dwarf Fortress when it's firing on all cylinders and everything's going great so you got like a hundred and fucking seventy dwarves doing what they need to do half of them are happy, half of them are unhappy various, you know, just to split the gradations. Anyway, when you just watch it sing, it's so amazing, and then something crazy happens. And something crazy happens, sometimes happens from from externalities, like literal externalities, not like in an economic sense, but or or sometimes from an economic sense, but externalities, like people come from outside to visit or entertain or spy on you, or they start killing people, or someone goes berserk, or everyone starts to die because there's no food and because you fucked up your work order for the farmers and now we all have to fucking figure out what the fuck we're going to do. Um, so, essentially, what Dwarf Fortress is all about and is not about is the moods of your dwarves, which are broken down, I, I think it's like 10 different gradients. It's uh, I won't go through it, but it's like happiest on the far left and 
absolutely going berserk with rage, madness, demonic Satan, angry frown, red, red, red face on the far right. And the longer dwarves stay in these moods, the harder they... It's not necessarily true, because there's many, 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 many factors that, you know, influence a dwarf's mood, from their background to what they're doing, to their job assignment, if there's a mismatch, like a grotesque mis- mismatch, that they don't come to love, or if they have innate skills or traits that they're not being able to use, that they miss, or that they've forgotten, or maybe they've been traumatized. So here's the thing. I'm not sure if I believe this, but they say that Dwarf Fortress takes up one game of Dwarf Fortress with like, you know, a Metropolis-sized Dwarf Fortress, which is like 180 different dwarves and various, you know, maybe 50 other guest people or whatever, takes up more CPU cycles than the latest and greatest aeronautical engineering simulation for simulating air over a wing meaning the miracle of flight. You know what I mean? So, and I kind of believe it because everything in Dwarf Fortress is actually real and it's happening now and you will understand it once you start playing it. You Everything be- makes sense. And before you know it, New Year's Eve will be gone. And you will have experienced the fun bonuses like these following... By the way, fun means dying. That's the fucking box art for Dwarf Fortress. Dying is fun. There's no fit, more fitting game than for New Year's than Dwarf Fortress. If anything, I wish that Dwarf Fortress on Steam had a very streamlined, quick play kind of thing, because like you're going to get lost while you're generating your world and, and maybe going into specializations that you don't need to go into. Luckily, I didn't do that. I skipped the tutorial. I just did the tutorial at the beginning, and... uh Seem pretty straightforward, thanks to Dwarf Fortress's very good uh, GUI and hotkey system. So anyway, fun. Here's some excerpts of fun moments that I've had in Dwarf Fortress, meaning everyone died. Oh yeah. Oh uh, wait, before well, okay, yeah. So here we'll we'll come back to dwarves' moods in a moment because like they matter and they don't matter, and we'll explain that later on. Um, one of my favorites was uh, very recently when everyone in my big fortress, like 80 people, 90 dwarves, whatever, um, almost died because of my asthma in our central area. My asthma is like a toxic cloud. It emanates from dead things. Unburied dwarves, unburied enemies, un- dis- garbage disposed of enemies, rotting food. In this case, it was rotting food because my stockpile had somehow gotten filled up with food. And so like all this food just sat at the actual the bar, the tavern, the kitchen, the butcher, and the fish, the fishery. And so all that went rotten, and so it created this massive miasma cloud which sickens and traumatizes your dwarves and makes them run away and lose their minds. Like, they'll just run away from miasma. It looks like a purple cloud. It's like the stench of death. Um, it's really bad, and they really hate it. And it, and over time, because it, it takes forever for the miasma to go away if you don't do something about it, and even if you do something about it, it takes a long time to go away. So then I had to fucking learn how to kill my asthma because this was like a very bad infestation. I was busy doing other things while letting the game play endlessly. I mean, I was doing other things in the game than paying attention to my dwarves' moods. And all of a sudden, like, instead of, you know, it being like 50, being like 60% happy or better and 40% unhappy or whatever, it went to like 
on the super unhappy it went to like 20% and that's big and I'm like oh shit what's going on so I start looking introspecting into individual guys by just pulling up the citizen list and then sorting it by mood and then seeing who the fuck so I found out it was miasma so I start looking for the miasma and I find the miasma it's right in the center of everything people start going berserk because of the miasma several people are killed one person fucking dies of dehydration because of the miasma we start to starve out of booze because of the miasma because it's built right so I dig a channel to the surface well from the surface to immediately above the miasma to get sunlight on the miasma which helps curtail the miasma long enough for me to be able to reassign dwarves to actually rip down everything that's in the miasma thing and build walls around it while it clears which took a long time it took like maybe half a year because it kept getting grossed out by the miasma um yeah so miasma sucks and is really stressful and we have people who went insane because of the miasma who went on killing sprees because of the miasma we have people who went on terrorist rampages because of the miasma we had endless problems because of miasma but we overcame it we overcame it as a dwarf family um but it all happened because rotten food blossomed at the fucking fish stand instead of going to a stockpile um stockpiles are like the way you designate where things go if you want things to go certain places and there's endless degrees of categorization and stuff but it's all very simple it's all very easy it's all very dos based uh there's a you know you do have a mouse cursor you can click and select and stuff but it's still very much a hockey driven game and that makes it great unlike rim unlike other games it's very tight and punchy and you will die very quickly and then you will get better and better it's almost a roguelike um with sprite with you know two-dimensional sprite break. Uh, you'll, you'll learn this very early on when everyone starts dying of dehydration and you'll discover what it means to build and dig a well. And from that, you will gain a better understanding of water and aquifers and surface water and the importance of picking the right site when you embark. All sorts of other shit. All this interlinks and becomes this very compelling, amazing world where you'll get messages such as the following. Alert. Alert! How's this for a disconcerting message? The human dancer Odi Ahalugagunua has revealed the presence of Danger Mirror to the human spearman Ted Pumanasapala. Good lord, not the secrets of Danger Mirror! Oh, you know, you haven't heard about Danger Mirror? And like, Danger, if it's not Danger Mirror, it's something else. Like, all the names are procedurally generated. It's brilliant. And they have Dwarvish, Dweemer, whatever the fuck translations. It's amazing. Um, so, everyone, once you get to like everyone dying of dehydration, you'll discover it will be a learning experience that will open up a broader wealth of possibilities for your next run. Um, Dwarf happiness isn't a game thing, it's a simulation thing and this was amazing, because okay, so I learned that dwarves have a happiness score, which is their stress level, it's based off of many, many many, 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 many many complex factors, which we'll talk about in a moment 
basically it boils down to this your dwarf has a capacity for plus one one million happiness and a capacity for negative one million happiness at negative one million happiness for too long they'll become harrowed meaning they are absolutely useless and should be either expelled before they go nuts or given some sort of task, taken off all their work duties and blocked away someplace safe where it's warm and cozy because they are utterly harrowed. They have seen too much for too long and they are broken. At the other end is the super happiness, one million plus one million. So let me give you an idea of this. Not being able to, like I said earlier, not being able to do a craft or whatever or a thing that they like or see their family for too long will wear on them and it will create stress. And stress is a constant negatively draining thing, which has a lot of other factors that go into it. Uh, Maybe they don't even like their job. Maybe they're not good at their job. Maybe they just had an argument. Or, for instance... If, let's say, your dwarf is being haunted by their dead son, that's got to be like negative 100,000 happiness points right there. Just from that. Like a single hit. That's one-tenth of, like, you know, all your happiness. Um, But, like, let's say it was also you're getting haunted by your dead son who you saw murdered in front of you that's another negative 250,000 points right there forgetting the haunting like this is you know precursor you know pre posthumously you watched your son you had to see your son get killed by dogs or spies or crazy deranged loom weavers or or fucking miners with fucking crossbows or something something or he was mauled to death by a moose that tried to mate with him so that's another 250,000 points right there. So now we're up to like negative 300,000. And the distance between, in terms of time timeline-wise, those will grate on you. Especially the death of the sun will grate on you and you'll become miserable. And it will be very difficult to rehabilitate that dwarf into a happier thing. But anyway, let's go further, though. Let's say you're being haunted by your dead son, who you saw murdered, and who you let rot in your apartment for the last three years till there's a miasma cloud. That's negative 750,000 points both instantaneously and then over time that's going to be like until that sun completely decays which will be like 100 years. Um, I mean they'll turn to bones eventually but and eventually they will just vanish. It takes a long time. It's way easier to bury them. Um, that's going to be like you're going to be fucking out of your mind. You're going to go berserk. If that if that shit happens to you, and sometimes that shit happens to you, you don't have control over everybody. You know, you control the systems. You don't control the dwarves. So there's like a saying, and I thought it was a joke, but I'm starting to really appreciate it. Dwarf Fortress isn't a game; it's a simulation. And what in the context of this example, what they meant by that, I was reading uh, Dwarf Fortress forums, which you which you will start to read, Eurist, fellow Eurist, and you will totally forget about New Year's. Um, they said that Dwarf Fortress is a simulation, not a game. And that the happiness of every one of your citizens should be like a priority kind of but it shouldn't 
you should not aspire to having everyone be whistling zippity doodah out of their assholes on the highest, you know, 10 out of 10 happiness thing, even if you do everything right, because they have personalities and they have dis- some of them have families that they can't ever see again because they're family, they're migrants, you know, they join you guys, you know, blah. So here's a, or maybe they saw someone get murdered or whatever and they can't shake it. And you don't need to be like um, a soldier. Soldiers can get stressed out just like everybody else. Some of some characters have some dwarves. All of them are procedurally generated, all with their own names and everything. When you click on them, when you click on an individual dwarf, you can see everything about. You can introspect into every aspect of that dwarf. Who is he married to? Who he's related to? Who he's fucking? Who are his kids? How old is he or she? What do, what do they do? What do they want to do? What do they miss doing? What happened to them recently? What are their thoughts? Were they happy recently? Were they happy praying to, you know, blow? Look at the longer chain of thoughts. Oh, you got into an argument with your wife or your husband. You know, let's say it's two gay dwarves. Um, two gay dwarves. That should be the title of this week's episode. Uh, you know, and now he can't, and now he has to go fucking do militia drills, and now the kid's getting upset because he can't see his dad, and it's upsetting the dad, and blah, 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 and so it's all sorts of stress, and if you want to, re- if someone's really important to you, trying to limit those by buffering them with happy thoughts, i.e. by giving them really cool jobs that are appropriate to, you know, whatever, all of this, you don't assign them to do anything other than, like, in general, and there's two major ways of doing this there's a labor tab in which you can enlist individual dwarves to do certain tasks or everyone can do certain tasks or only these dwarves can do certain tasks you can define new tasks and this is how everything else runs, that in work orders so you don't have to like constantly click or go around and look at every fucking smelter, I have like fucking 500 smelters in my metropolis and I have like twice as many fucking uh, fuel burning furnaces to make the coal Um, I don't care who's fucking running those things just as long as they're running Um, game is very sophisticated and watching how it breaks and how you all inevitably die is enormously entertaining once you understand what's happening the learning learning curve is nowhere near as extreme as I thought it was going to be it's way better than many other games that I've played that have come out in more recent years that have tried to mimic and copy uh, Dwarf Fortress's success. It is a fa- phenomenal game that you can get lost in. I'm just going to give you one more story of them to say Happy New Year to everybody because no one's going to listen to this episode. It's New Year's Eve. Um, trouble with water. Like I mentioned, like, you know, eventually everyone will die of dehydration. You go, oh shit, we need water. I have to find water sources. Okay, cool. And then what are water sources? How do we how do we uh, build aqueducts? How do we build um, wells? How do we do, what are floodgates for? What is a screw pump for? How do we deploy one? What would we do with it? A surgeon needs, how am I going to get water all the way down into my den? What the fuck is a burrow? How, how am I going to house all these people? My tavern has no fucking instruments. Why doesn't it have instruments? I keep telling them to build and, be- and you can fix all these things and it becomes a smoothly running system that then explodes in your face constantly. It's like, it's great and it's it's never the same game twice. 
Um, mayoral demands. Eventually, once you get big enough, you'll have mayors demanding shit. You'll have secret societies blossom inside your fucking dwarf fortress. Some of them malign and external uh, so sowed by uh, pret- potentially invading enemies, um, etc., depending on how uh, open your society is. One of my dwarf fortresses became the Las Vegas of dwarf fortress world. Um, I got I had one dwarf fortress entirely murdered by crows, and the last person alive I thought because I was like, what the fuck? All people, all these people just start popping up dead, and these murder crows flew into my my fortress, and they killed us all. And I thought there was one dwarf left alive, and I was looking. I was trying. I was early on in the game before I knew how to really do this, so I finally find the menu or whatever, and I realized that the game hadn't been paused; it'd been running. And so I I find the right menu or whatever, and I click on the one person who's still alive, and it's a dwarven baby. And right as I jump to him, he dies. He's murdered by crows. I was wondering who was going to bury all the dead. Um, so, murdered by crows. I once accidentally created a naked slave mine for orphans and left them starving and homeless and unclothed. Baby orphans mining for a year until they started going insane after they became uh, children. And, you know, like, and they will never be happy. They will never be happy. And lots of times you can't really control how happy some of your naturally just middle of the road to angrier dwarves will be. Um, the bizarre creations, the evolving lore, and the, the names of everything, and everything has details. Like when you introspect into the very thoughts and feelings of your dwarves, trying to make them all happy, which is something you should try to do when you have the time. Um because it makes them better at everything and it makes them you know, anytime you can do that and especially if you see like, oh shit all of a sudden, you know, 10% of everybody went to like the super angry mad thing, you better figure out what the fuck they're, they're going through um, so insa- the insane levels of introspection, intro uh, into all entities thoughts, feelings, skills, needs, desires and the ability to set up orders and stuff it's all about building and designing a dwarf fortress but it's really about engineering the systems inside to keep the dwarf fortress running that make dwarf fortress such an amazing game to lose yourself in I mean it makes it's a I almost okay I say, and I'm not a big fan of Civilization games, or of, uh, I mean, I love City Skylines. I said my Civilization, I think it was 5, was the best ever made. This game is dozens of times better than that. And it's single player. It's phenomenal. Phenomenally simple, impossibly complex, all wrapped up in this nice hotkey-based universe. And with that, we won't have time for Bannerlord, uh, 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 Mountain Blade to Bannerlord. We will talk about that next week, maybe, but next week we'll do the stats. Till then, should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and days rolling sign? Cheers. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Another year. Another, uh, another year. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a happy and safe uh, New Year. And happy and healthy to you and yours.
there is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. Now you listen, now you listen, for you're going to be a meek little housewife with horn-rimmed spectacles. And you're going to stay away from men and juke joints and booze and pinball machines. And you're going to wear a skirt and low-heeled shoes and you're going to wear a girdle. And especially a girdle. After receiving the host, marauding choir boys, half drunk on the blood of Christ, stalk unwary pensioners and seek havoc. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.